Welcome to the Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Ian Hamilton's feisty heroine, Ava Lee, tracks down white-collar fraud and retrieves ill-gotten gains by some unconventional methods, including an ancient and deadly form of martial arts that's little known. It's a bit like Jackie Chan meets the girl with the dragon tattoo. Hi there, I'm your host, Jenny Wheeler, and today Ian is going to be talking about how he made a Chinese-Canadian forensic accountant so sexy, yep, so sexy that all 11 books in the Ava Lee series have been optioned for TV or movies. But before we hear from Ian, just a reminder that the show notes for this binge reading episode are available on the website thejoysofbingereading.com. That's where you'll find links to Ian's website and books, as well as a free ebook and information about how to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. But now, here's Ian. Hello there, Ian, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Jenny. I'm very pleased to be with you. That's lovely. Now, Ian, you've said that you've had 40 years between books. You wrote a very successful history book in the late 60s. It became a book of the month selection. It was so popular. And then business and government jobs intervened for 40 years until 2011 when you got the idea for Ava Lee. And I gather at that stage you wrote four books in eight months. I just wonder what was the once upon a time moment that got you started on Ava's story? Uh, The the once upon a time moment was the prospect of death. Oh, <laughs> so it was in. I actually thought of Ava in the summer of 2009, and I was still running a business, Jenny, and um, very, very stressful at the time. A lot of money involved, and, and I was probably drinking too excessive. Yes. And, and my wife uh, said that your liver has to be shot. She sent me off to the doctor where they did an ultrasound, and they found my liver was perfect, but <laughs> I had it. But, but that I had an aneurysm. Oh gosh. And I ended up in one of the big hospitals in Toronto, one of the big old hospitals, for like eight hours of surgery. And I was being rolled back to my room by, the, by an orderly uh, who said to me, uh, your, your room's in the old wing of the hospital. If you see any nuns, don't talk to them. And I said, I'm not sure why I wouldn't talk to a nun. And he said, because they're ghosts. And they only come to talk to you if they think you're going to die. <laughs> So there I was, it's the middle of the night, I'm obviously heavily medicated, drugged to the eyeball, and I'm seeing all these shadows and hearing all these noises, and I actually was very genuinely terrified, and and thought, I am going to die, and I'm going to die without having done a lot of the things I wanted to do in my life, and the top of the list was writing a book, or trying to write a book, I should say. And uh, when I got out of the hospital, the second day out, I sold my shares in my business, and the third day, I sat down and I started to write the first Ava Lee novel. Wow. And, of course, when you say write a book, you obviously had already written a successful non-fiction book. Non-fiction, so it was, yeah. it was fiction that you were particularly interested in doing, I right. guess, was it? Right. Yeah. It, was, it was fiction I wanted to write. And, and I loved the crime mystery thriller genre. Yes. 
And uh, but I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't have a clue. Uh, and when actually, when I started to write the first book, all I had was the name Ava Lee, which came to me from like nowhere, and one sentence. I had no plot. I didn't do an outline. I just started writing. Amazing. But, but backtracking for a moment, you didn't see any nuns. No, thank God. But my <laughs> wife, when my wife came to visit me that evening at the hospital, she walked yeah. in through the door. She remembers me yelling at her, keep the nuns away, keep the nuns away. So <laughs> You're obviously still slightly sedated at that point. Very sedated, yes. yes. <laughs> well, Ava Lee is a feisty Toronto-based forensic accountant. Um, perhaps in your business life you have come up against a few forensic accountants, but she's got uh, some very unusual traits, yeah. Well... Like she came to me strangely. I mean, I'm not being cynical about you. I, I, like I, when I say her name came to me, I didn't make a list of names. All of a sudden, the name was in my head, and she came to me absolutely fully formed. Yeah, I didn't think about her. All of a sudden, I was writing about her, and I'm, I was about I don't know. I'd written for was writing for about a week. And my wife, my poor wife, she comes downstairs and says, "Like, what are you doing?" Right? And, and I said, I, "I'm trying to write a book." And she said, oh, and oh, she left, you know. She came, came back another week later, and she says, well, what's the book about? And I said, it's a Chinese-Canadian lesbian accountant who chases bad debts for a living. And she, she says, oh, for God's sake. She says, can't you write it with something you know? No. Yeah, but she, she did. She, she came to me absolutely fully formed. Yeah, and yeah. Why, why do you think she was a Chinese-Canadian? Well, I think, you know, I think at first, I, I didn't give it much thought, but, but as I started to do a lot of these literary events, and I, I do quite a few of them, yes. um, I kept getting asked, where does she come from, where does she come from? And people, I think, got tired of me saying, well, I was medicated, right? So yes. <laughs> I'm not sure. But then I, 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 this woman psychiatrist came up to me at an event and said, you know, she says, you have to stop saying that you don't know where she comes from. Because you actually do. I mean, she, she's totally from your subconscious. And what you're doing is you're channeling all of those years you did business in Asia, right? Yeah. You're channeling um, uh, your, 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 your interest and love in Chinese culture and history. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're channeling this tremendous respect that you have for women. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's what, I think subconsciously, all of those things, all, the, all of those years of doing business in Asia and China and being surrounded by strong women, it all sort of came to bear in terms of creating her character. Well, it was a very happy uh, set of events, wasn't it? And, yes, you, it's interesting that you say that it's, you know, directly related to your past business experience because the books cover some very fascinating business worlds, different worlds, but very convincing worlds and also very informative to, for somebody who doesn't know that particular area of business. I mean, I found the one on international art forgery particularly interesting, but we've got swindles in the seafood industry, we've got online gaming. Yeah. I just wonder, as you were traveling, were you taking notes or did you actually have some involvement in all of these areas at one stage or other? Uh, I, I've never taken a note, Janie, and, 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 uh, but I have, I, when I started out to write these books, I found out I had a really good memory, so. I mean, yeah. I remembered all kinds of trivial things, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, but the first book on, on the seafood thing 
was actually a, a, a scam that I was in the middle of. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, so it really did involve uh, a, a, a Chinese guy trying to cheat a big U.S. retailer out of about $5 million worth of shrimp. My and, gosh. And, and I was a consultant to the retailer. So I, I, was, <laughs> I watched all of this unfold. So, so I used that as the basis. Yeah. And, and the numbers I use, the first four books are all based on very on real crime, okay, all of them. Yes. And the numbers are all real numbers, okay? So when, I talk, right. about, yeah. so when yeah. I talk about an online, online ga- gambling scam for 50 or $60 million, it really happened. Yes, yeah. And the, and the art fraud thing, um, strangely <laughs> enough, I, after I finished the book, because I, I was always interested in art fraud, but, but after I finished the book, uh, the second largest art dealer in the U.S. was charged with a massive fraud. Yeah. For yeah. having for having fake paintings and she was selling them through her gallery in New York City. So and she was paying yeah. the painter, Chinese guy, like eight hundred dollars a painting and selling them for eight million. So Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. It was uh, and I, I did read somewhere that you actually had bought uh, art in the Faroe Islands, a bit similar to what happens in the wild beasts of Wuhan. So I was yes, particularly yes. interested in that. Yes, yes indeed. Yeah. It was it was interesting because that was a funny little side light to go to somewhere like the Faroe Islands. I thought you probably had been there, or why on earth would you introduce them? Yeah, yeah. I've only written oh, seriously in all of my books. Now the eleventh is coming out in January. Yeah. And I've only written about places I have actually physically been to. Yes. Yes. So I've been to all of them. Okay. Yeah. And but, but I'm very conscious of trying. I really try not to write travelogues. Yeah. I I, I I I want to give you a flavor of a place. Yes. Okay. Like something eccentric about a place, something that makes it different, you know, yes. rather than just the usual stuff. Yeah, because sometimes that scene thing, although it can be interesting, you you do start to feel, come on, get on with the story, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, now Ava is pretty legal in some of the uh, ways that she goes about collecting the money that she's, the massive debt that she's looking for and she uses an ancient deadly martial art I wonder um, she's pretty ruthless some of the things she does are there's one particular incident which I won't go into where she's quite ruthless quite shockingly so how do you keep her Which likeable? one is that, Jenny? No, 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 come on. No, which no, one is want, that? Well, I don't want to have a spoiler because somebody might. <laughs> <laughs> which book, though? Uh, it's the one. Um, is the, the Scottish Banker, which is in Indonesia, or the one which is in Las Vegas? No, it's the Macau one. Macau the Macau one. Oh, yeah, that as well. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, she has to take things into her own hands. She does indeed. Yes. Yes. She does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the um, the martial art. I actually researched it, so I, I don't practice it. Yes. But I did research it, and I discovered it, and it was. It was I found it fascinating. Yeah. Because it is a very old martial art, hundreds and hundreds of years old, and was only ever taught a, a mentor to student ever one on one. Yes. Okay? And it was yeah. started as father to son, and then expanded mentor to student. And it is very rarely practiced, but it is real. And and 
So, I mean, uh, the whole point of Bak Mai, which is the, the martial art, is to cause damage. So it's not yes. pretty. So it's attacking the most sensitive parts of your body, the nerve yes. endings, the eyes, the ears. And, 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 and she's become, of course, a very good practitioner of, of the art, and she needs to be, actually. Yes. But uh, what was interesting was, after I'd written five or six books, I got an uh, email from a Bak Mai instructor in San Francisco saying it was the first time he'd ever read of a Bak Mai in a novel, and he wanted to compliment me on how accurate my portrayal was. So that was... How lovely. fantastic, yeah. Yes, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. Is it, it obviously is still practiced reasonably widely. Yes, practiced yeah. and taught, yeah. yes. Yes, yeah. yeah. And still one-on-one, though. Yeah. So yeah. how has Ava evolved over the series? She's... um. She obviously well, has her family relationships have changed, but what other in what other ways has she evolved? Well, I think I think she has she certainly matured. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, like when I started to write, you know, when you start to write, I, I set out to write one book, and all of a sudden I found myself writing two books and three books, four and so on, and and so I, I so I never had the intention of writing a series. Yeah. Once I knew I was writing a series, I was very conscious of not repeating myself. Yeah. That for me, the death knell of all the great series is exactly that. When the writer keeps repeating the same story over and over and over again. Yeah. And the characters don't grow. Okay. Yeah. And so I decided I wasn't going to do that. Mm-hmm. So, and I was writing the. I think I was writing the third book when I realized how the sixth book was going to end. Ah. Uh-huh. So, 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 I, so I had this story arc in my mind, right? Uh-huh. So I planted, if you read the, if you reread the third book, all of the clues about what happens in the sixth book are in the third book. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then so on and so on and so on. So, so between, certainly between the first book and the eleventh book, her life has changed like almost totally. Yeah. I mean, she's no longer in the debt collection business. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, in the in the investment business. She's surrounded by a different group of people, or yes. some different some different people. Yeah. Uh, her relationship with with the Zhu and, and Shanghai has become very strong. Yes. No, so so she still has ties to the triads, but I mean, she's moved well beyond what she was as, as a person. You know, and, and I think I think uh, uh, personally. Again, by the eleventh book, uh, her, her 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 love life changes substantially as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You're very specific about her fashion sense. So there's lots of brands mentioned, and yes. I'm just wondering, did you get advice from someone young and female on that, or did you also just research that yourself? I did it myself, Jenny. And again, because I have three daughters and uh-huh. uh, a, a very fashion conscious wife. Uh-huh. And when I used to travel to Italy on business or I'd go to Asia on business, they'd always hand me a little list of things they wanted me to buy. <laughs> so so through them, I discovered the Shanghai Tang stores. I discovered all kinds of things, right? Fantastic. And, and, and just, you know, so I, 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 I use all of that. But, but again, the fact that she's so branded is cultural as well. Yeah. I mean, you don't meet many wealthy young Chinese women who are not branded. Yes. It's all part of their persona. Yes. And Ava, even though she's Chinese-Canadian, uh, her mother is certainly part of that cultural group and has passed that gene along to Ava. So, 
Yeah, yeah. Now, you've sold film and TV rights for the whole series, I think. Where can we expect, when can we expect to see Ava on a big or a little screen? I'm told, and I was told last night, actually, so your timing is perfect, that the late 2018, you can expect to see her on a little screen. Fantastic. Yes. And that would be the first book, The Water Red of Wan Chai. Yes. And they're turning it into a four-by-one-hour uh, series. And the plan is to turn the remaining books, assuming the first one goes well, into six-by-one-hour uh, series. So all, all, all 11 books have been optioned. So that was, that's nice. Very nice. Fantastic. Um, the series has been published in several countries in Europe and South America, but I'm wondering, has it been picked up in Asia? You'd think that Abel would be a sure hit in Hong Kong or... Little Brown, no, Little Brown did publish the first um, two books in Hong Kong, Singapore, and I don't think we did well enough for them to keep doing it. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Maybe it's just their marketing. I, I bet I really do think that they're a sort of secret waiting to be discovered. <laughs> I hope so, Jenny. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, certainly here. I mean, and, and, and I know it's not a Chinese reaction to them because the Chinese Canadian community in Canada has, is, is like my biggest fan base. Yeah, I mean, tremendously supportive. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Perhaps just more in general terms, in terms of your career, moving away from the specific book focus. I noticed that you've had lots of accolades, including BBC Culture, which named you as one of the ten must-read mystery-slash-crime writers currently. That must have been a pretty exciting moment to be noticed by an a, a organisation with that level of credibility. I wondered if there was anyone else on the list that you felt especially privileged to be named alongside? Um, actually, there was, and he's an Aussie. Peter Temple was on that list. Yeah. You know him? I'm sure you do. No, I know of him. I haven't read any of his work, I must admit. Yeah, and, and, and Michael Dibden, whose work I absolutely adored. I was thrilled to be at length with Michael Dibden. So. Yes, yes. Yeah. Is there one thing you've done in your writing career more than any other that you think has been the secret to your success? Um... I don't have a um, couple of things, I think. So I, I don't have an outsized ego, and um, I barely consider myself to be a writer. I mean, I, I consider myself to be a really good storyteller. Yes. And I think, I create, I think I've created a roster of characters who are compelling. Yes. Okay. And, and and that's because they really live live in me, you know. Yes. But I have I have a wonderful editor. Aha. Uh -huh. And she is five foot two, and Korean Canadian, mm -hmm. and the same age as Ava. Uh huh. And uh, uh, has been just phenomenal. So um, she's made every book better. So having Janie, her name is Janie Yoon, having her along for the ride has been phenomenal. Uh, so I'm very appreciative of, of, of her and, and, and her contributions. must be great to have someone who's of the same sort of age as your heroine. She'd have particular insight into some of the ways that Ava might react. Indeed she does, Jenny. Mm. She's always mm. reminding me, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, 
it's uh, although truthfully we have we really do collaborate very well. I mean, we we we. Uh, I don't think she's ever told me uh, to. She should never give me a story suggestion. She's never made any major change to Ava or most of the other characters. I mean, her her, her major contribution is sort of structure, pacing, you know. And then occasionally I get pol- pol- politically incorrect, or Ava does, and she has to pull me back on that. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a funny little question that I like to ask because so many of these stories, one of the attractions is the places that you're taken to. I mean, I enjoy these books for that reason as well. They take you places where you are not going to be going yourself. So if you were going to organize a magical mystery literary tour for any of the Ava books, where would you suggest readers go? Okay, I'm trying to think of which one was actually. You know, the the I think the the Wild Beast was an interesting book. Yeah. Because it took you to it took you to China to Wuhan. Yes. Which is one of the big emerging uh, cities. You ended up in Hong Kong, which I adore. I adore Hong Kong. Yes. So you you would get a chance to really see Hong Kong, uh, and then then to Northern Denmark, which is another part of the world I spent a lot of time in. And absolutely adored, and the Faroe Islands, and whoever goes to the Faroe Islands. Oh, exactly. And, you yeah. know, and and I, I worked there. I went there two or three times on business, and I, it fascinated me because it was like the most different place in the world. You know. Yes. You know that, that that's where the Vikings, when the Vikings were going from Denmark to Iceland, when they had troublesome Vikings on board, they threw them overboard at the Faroe Islands. <laughs> So that's sort of who occupies the Faroe Islands. Like that. <laughs> Talking of mysteries, is there a mystery in your life that could be a plot line for a story? Well, I, I already used the one about the shrimp, so I can't use that. Oh, okay, um, there, yeah, yeah. Is there a mystery in my life other than that? Probably, but you know what, Jenny? I, 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 I would never discuss it. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. We're turning to Ian as reader. You know, this show is called The Joys of Binge Reading because there has been quite a growth in this phenomenon of binge reading, I think, since e-books came in. I hope so. Believe me, I hope so. (laughs) Well, your books are definitely the sort people who binge read. Get on um, Amazon at midnight because they must read the next installment. Um, But have you had authors that you've binge read yourself? Yes, I have. Uh, binge reader, binge wait for. I mean, I have authors that I've been desperate for their next book to come out because I've read yes. everything. Yes. Uh, now, let me name someone who doesn't write crime, mystery, or thrillers, though, first, okay? Yes, and sure. That, and, that, and that would be Patrick O'Brien. Right. Who wrote the Jack Aubrey novels. And they are totally binge-worthy and wonderful, okay? Yes. Uh, Alan First, who wrote all of the spy mystery novels based in the Second World War. Oh, yes, yes. F-U-R-S-T. Again, wonderful, wonderful books and binge-worthy. Yes. I guess guess you can't throw John le Carre in there because his his career is so long and and, and things. Michael Dibden, certainly. Yes. The Aurelia Zen novels, which are wonderful. Yes. Um... I, I, I'm trying to think of who else really, really sort of got to me. Well, I, I used to be, I used to call in Dexter and Reginald Hill were two of my favorites. Yeah. And I, I used to read a lot. And all, 
Okay, Richard Stark. Richard Stark. S-T-A-R-K, who's right near the top of my list. I would probably mm. put him at the top of my list for binge-worthy reading. Yeah. Okay. What uh, does he write? Have you heard of Donald Westlake? No. Okay. Donald Westlake was an American uh, crime mystery writer who was very prodigious. And, uh, and he was writing so many books that his agent said to him, you have to stop. Okay. So instead of stopping, uh, he started to write under another pen name. And the pen name he chose was Richard Stark. Ah, oh, right. Okay. And yeah. I think at least three or four of his books have been made into, uh, into um, films. At least uh-huh. three or four, and a couple yeah. of them several times. No, his character. What's interesting though, so his character's name is Parker. Uh huh. And through twenty books, I think it's twenty books. I'm actually I'm standing in front of my bookcase. Hang on a second. So I've got twelve or fourteen here. Um, in, in all of those books, you never know Parker's first name. You never know basically anything about him. Is that right? But he, but he, but he, but Stark carries you through yeah. all of these books, and they're wonderful stories. Oh, that's fantastic. Must look those ones up. We're kind of sort of coming a little bit to the end of our time, so just wondering, circling around from our start to now, at this stage in your career, if you were going to do it all over again, what, if anything, would you change? Uh, Well, my career, okay, assuming my career, I'm assuming my career started in 2009 writing, right? My first book was published in 2011, which is when I turned 65. Yes. So yeah. I'm now 71. Yes. And um, I have a contract for six more books. So there, there will be at least three more Avalese, and I'm writing a new series, a spin-off series of an uncle. Oh, really? Fantastic, yes. yeah. And that first book comes out in July. Um, so, I, I, very honestly, I can't think of anything I changed, because... I mean, it, I could not have written these books 20 years ago. Yes. It yes. took it took the, the confluence of all of those circumstances, the time, the experience, the nuns. I mean, it took <laughs> all of that to sort of get me to the point where I could actually sit down and do it. Yes. And that yeah. she came out, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and it was almost magical. It sounds corny, but, you know, when I started to write... I was so happy, and I sat at the computer, and I think I'd be writing for an hour, and I'd have written for eight. Oh, fantastic, yeah. So it was just that, co- I was so absorbed in yeah. the process. Yeah. And again, without knowing what I was doing, and very truthfully, I didn't have a clue. Yeah. All I knew was I was going to write a book, and, and I wrote it without even the thought of getting it published. I had no idea it was going to be publishable. So it's amazing what can happen if you just want to sit down and try something, you know. I guess that you'd read so many yourself, you must have actually had the, the structure and formatting of what those sorts of books are like ingrained in you almost. I, I think so, but I mean, my, my, my books are certainly non-conventional. Yeah, I mean, they are. There, yeah. there are no bodies littering the, littering the first chapter. No, that's right. They're not police procedural. Mm. Uh, quite often you know who did whatever, and that's, but that's not just part of the chase, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. so they are they are non conventional, which I think is what does appeal to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. 
So, wow, so you've got six more books to write. So give us a bit of an idea of what that schedule is going to look like. Are you also engaged in any of the actual work, the screenplays of the TV or films that are coming through? I am a, I am a consultant to yes. the TV series, and I will get an executive producer credit without doing much executive producing. But <laughs> they, but they, they throw that at you as sort of a perk. Yeah. Um, yep. So no, my, my, I, I do. The, the, the young woman, the woman who's writing the scripts, her name is Karen Walton, and she's enormously talented. My God, uh, yeah. she wrote Orphan Black. Have you heard of Orphan Black? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. she wrote that, yeah. and 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 so I'm blown away by her talent actually. Uh, but so she sends me the scripts, and I review the scripts and pass along my comments. So that's the extent of it. I'm not writing it. Yeah, I mean, it's such a different art form, you know. I just couldn't cope with it. So, but I've got I've got a book coming out in January called the Imam of Tawi Tawi. Oh yes. And my editor is really really excited about this book. She thinks it's the best piece of work we've done, and she's hoping it's going to be a, a huge hit everywhere. And it is really an absolutely wonderful book. And That's great, wonderful. It might it might have the best plot I've ever come up with. And it also has a link to the CIA. That's a new thing for you. It isn't links it? to the CIA, so Ava finds herself working with the CIA, and the CIA finds out what it's like to have to deal with Ava. So it's a, it's a very, <laughs> a very interesting, very political. I have to say, it gets now, into Philippine, it gets into Philippine politics, U.S. politics, and everything else that Ava has to sort of, you know, stick handle her way through it. Sounds great. How on earth did you research such a serpentine organization as the CIA? Did you have you had any links, any sort of brush-ups with the CIA in the past? I cannot tell you that. <laughs> Your lips have to be sealed. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot discuss that. <laughs> Suffice to say, so it's quite uh, realistic. Great, great. Yeah. And then, and then the uncle book, the first uncle book, which is called yes. Fate. Is coming up in July next year. Fantastic. Then I have another Avery called The Goddess of Yantai, which is finished, and yeah. it will be out in 2019, January. So that's the schedule. Lovely. Does Uncle start out young, or is he, is he old when the first He starts off, the first book starts off in 1959. Great. When he's uh, swimming from China to Hong Kong. Oh, fantastic, yes. And then picks up in 1969. When he is uh, the white paper fan in the Fanling Triad Gang, fantastic, and, and involved in uh, all kinds of stuff going on in Hong Kong and new territories with the Triads. Yeah, that's the first book, and I, I think I think it's going to be good. I feel tempted to ask you about triads, but I'm sure that's another no-go area. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I can talk about triads quite easily. <laughs> but did you have much to do with triads yourself in your business life? I bumped into them here and there. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. you can't do business in Hong Kong and some parts of China without bumping into them. Yes, yeah. And so you, I, 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 I sort of knew them, and, yeah. and I know they operated. And that came in handy at one point because a friend of mine who uh, was in the meat business, uh, had shipped a whole bunch of meat into uh, China through Hong Kong through a broker in Hong Kong, and they they were they were refusing to pay him. Uh. So he was owed all kinds of money, and he didn't know what to do. And I put I put him in touch with a guy <laughs> in Hong Kong, <laughs> yeah. Triad. 
yes. who who took over the collection. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> and, and, and got my friend his money back. I guess with and the charged, commission, obviously, and, and yeah. charged the thirty percent fee. Yeah, no, that's 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 worth getting the money back, isn't it? Very yes, much. it certainly is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that when Ava becomes violent in some, in some circumstances, I mean, Uncle always talks about the greater good, and that what they're doing is not just collecting money; that they are restoring people's lives. Yes. And I've always believed that white-collar crime can be as devastating, if not more devastating, than physical crime. Yes. That when you think of the damage that Bernie Madoff did in terms of people committing suicide and people's lives being destroyed. I mean, it's it's horrific. So so Ava and Uncle, like, almost see themselves as being guardian angels, you know? know? Yes, yeah. And and they're out to, you know, restore people's lives, so... So that, sure. that's sort of how the just, some of the justification comes in anyway. Yes, yeah. Now, Ian, we're coming to a close. So where can people find you and your books, either online or just in normal bookstores? Are they, are they well... Um, I have no idea where they are in New Zealand and Australia. I have no idea right, what kind right. of thing they have. I know online, uh, Kobo, of course, uh, Amazon. Yes. Um one of the good, one of the great places to get my books is through my publisher's website, uh-huh. which, which is House of Anansi, a House of all small letters, House yes. of Anansi, a n a n s i dot com, and they have shipped my books all over the world, and do so at a very reasonable cost. Oh, great! Okay. okay. Now, and I, we also have the first two audible books are out in the next few weeks. Oh, great. So it, it will be The Wild Beast of Wuhan and the, and the Disciple of Las Vegas are coming out in the next couple of weeks as audible books. They'll be available on Overdrive, Amazon Audible, iBooks, uh, Kobo. They'll be available on all of them. Yeah, and great. And in February, The Couturier of Milan and The Imam of Fabutawi are going to be available as audio books as well. So. Oh, fantastic. So we're, we're, get, we're, we're getting caught up with those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, look, that's great. That's great. And do you, do you blog or do you do any social media? Are you into any of that? I'm on Facebook period, sporadically. Yeah, and, yeah. And usually, yeah. I'm, I'm, usually I'm just talking about the events I'm doing or, yeah. or some of the... Yeah. So, or, yeah. or, actually, I, I actually, from time to time, talk about my writing progress. Uh-huh, right. Okay. Yes, you do a lot of events, I notice, don't you? Yes, I did, I think, 60 last year. Yeah, yeah. I'll do yeah. 40 to 50 this year. Yes, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, in fact, I just finished doing, in the last two weeks, I did seven. Wow, that is a lot, yeah. 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 So it's, yeah. It's, uh, but you know what? I, I don't know, you know, like none of the publishers actually advertise books. No. So if you're going to get readership, it's, it's almost reader by reader, you know? Yes. So yeah. I, I do book yes. clubs. Mm. So I'll send out an invitation right now. I'll do any book club in New Zealand that wants me on, or, or Australia, or, or wherever they are. And I've done them by phone, done them by usually by phone. Yeah. But uh, I, I do those, and uh, I answer all my emails, so anyone can email me. That's wonderful. Look, we'll put all of those contacts in the show notes so that people can reach out and um, say yeah, hi if I, they want to. I, I think in the back cover of my books, Jenny, you will see... The Facebook address, Twitter, and my web, and my website. Wonderful. Okay. Okay, Ian. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to talk.
Thanks for listening to the Joys of Finch Reading podcast. You can find all the details and links for this episode at www.thejoysofbingereading.com. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions for who you'd like us to interview next. And if you enjoyed the show, take a moment to subscribe on iTunes or a similar provider so you won't miss out on future guests. Thanks for joining us and happy reading. The Joys of Binge Reading podcast is put together with fantastic technical help from Dan Cotton and Abe Raffles. Dan is an experienced sound and video engineer who's ready and available to help you with your next project. Seek him out at dcaudioservices at gmail.com. That's D for Daniel, C for Charlie, audio services at gmail.com or check our show notes. He's fast, he takes pride in getting it right and he's great to work with. Our voiceovers are done by Abe Raffles, another gem of sound and screen. Abe has 20 years of experience on both sides of the camera slash microphone. As a cameraman director and also as a voice artist and TV presenter. I think you'd agree that his voice is both light-hearted and warm. He is super easy to work with no matter what the job. You'll find him at Abe, A-B-E, at pointandshoot.co.nz. As I say, the full details in the show notes on the website. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Hopefully see you next week. Bye.